0: Obama approved world's greatest podcast Nation. I am one of your hosts tonight Kellen Conley and with me all the way from Texas living in Texas let's get that correct is my semi-regular co-host number one Marcus show mad love Robinson Marcus how are you tonight sir
1: what up it's your boy Demar mark Robb aka Mad Love yeah. A.K.A. Gordon Darks, A.K.A. PC Twitter, A.K.A. 4i Willie, A.K.A. Mr. World Wide. <laughs> <laughs> What's going on?
0: Not a whole lot, man. Happy to have you back on the pod. Happy to be doing the pod. Our yearly yes. Numbers on the Board episode, like we've been doing since 2017 now. So 17, 18, 19, 20. This is our fifth episode for Numbers on the Board. Isn't that crazy? Oh, yes. So. Tom just keeps on ticking, man. And also with us for his second numbers on the board episode, wearing a dashing green shirt in another another room I've never seen in his home. <laughs> it's george the howitzer gerbo how are you sir
2: what's up it's good to be back this is yeah this is the modified uh home office here festively you got my poinsettia in here this is you know we're trying season yeah it is the season we always keep it festive so yeah this is (laughs) this is the workspace (laughs)
0: hey it it is what it is um so we are actually here to work and what we're doing this episode is i have compiled a list of topics for this episode, and we're going to jump around a little bit. Try try to keep the energy up because this one's a little bit more serious. We promise though the next one is going to be a way lighter, way more fun, and we're going to talk a lot of shit about a lot of athletes. <laughs> so um, I will go ahead and pick the first topic. Let's just go with the first question though, because it's it's a pretty good one. What are you most proud of this year? Let's start with Marcus
1: um the thing i'm most proud of this year there's a couple of things that i am you know i have a lot of positivity about but i'll i'll start with the most obvious being a part of hyphen podcast group and still going strong with we should do this again sometime
0: absolutely
1: this friday will be well december 31st it'll be our 80th episode and uh, all all the episodes are painstakingly produced and edited and listened to. Um, but at the same time, it's really a time that I have to kind of focus and to kind of get the creative juices flowing and to kind of put out episodes uh, with my partner in crime, Kit Kat Chinetti. Uh, Kellen falls through. Eric falls through. Uh, Eric, uh, if you're listening... Uh, don't worry. I think you've passed Kellen on appearances now. Maybe, maybe not. <laughs>
0: um,
1: I think he does uh, have
0: me.
1: Uh, George, if you ever are interested, uh, you can always come through. We talk about we talk about movies, but <laughs> even though we even though we kind of we deconstruct and analyze films, a lot of this shit I know from myself. I try to have as much fun with this fun as possible. I think my favorite recording, I think my f- my favorite recorded episode, is probably our Showgirls episode for very obvious reasons. Um, bitches
0: got AIDS and shit. <laughs> <laughs> well,
1: he, he didn't say bitches got AIDS. He said everybody got AIDS and shit. So it's a sorry, big, big sorry. difference. there. big my difference. <laughs> And the funny thing is, one of the questions that we're going to come up, uh, that we're going to answer a little bit in a a little bit, I think is actually produced the best episode or one of the best episodes for We Should Do This Again sometime. um, The episode that we recorded on this year's version of Candyman, to where me and Kat, we both hated it. But at the same time, I think we were really, we were really intelligent about specifically why the movie failed. Um, and and I, we took it very seriously, but it's like one of those things like you got to laugh to keep from crying. So, so it was watching the movie was a shitty experience, but at least talking about it with Kat was really therapeutic. I don't want to get kind of too over the top, but. Part of it was kind of cathartic, kind of talking it out just to make sure I wasn't crazy or just to make sure she wasn't crazy for disliking it so much. So, you know, staying on top of that, and recording and having a schedule for next year already and, you know, still going strong, man. We, uh, we're, we're on the road to number 100, so we're, we're going to get there. We're going to get there.
0: Yeah, you guys are. I'm proud of you guys, too. I was, I was just talking to Kat about probably about a week or so ago about how impressed i am with both of you guys and how much how you've grown to be the best editor um in in a hyphen podcast group essentially <laughs> and you pretty much were self-taught um you've you've uh, learned all the tricks of the trade and you continue to impress me all the time so i'm very proud of both of you um and the work you've accomplished on the on the pod so keep it up bro
2: i, oh I would only come on to to ask you questions marcus because like i learn more about Movies. I, I learn about movies from you. I don't. I don't see as we'll you
0: learn the right way to look at a movie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> when,
2: when, when we get to those later, you'll find that I've seen like three this year. Uh, <laughs> and That's okay. Well,
1: you know the uh, you know the funny thing, even the idea of even looking at the movie the right way. Like I would, I even though we talk about kind of films on kind of a serious level on a deeper level at the same time. Like we we just looked at Scrooge. Scrooged is philosophically a terrible fucking movie,
0: <laughs> but
1: I give it a four and a half out of five stars because the ride was just totally ridiculous, but it was enjoyable. Now, if if you're kind of looking at it on like a serious deconstructive level of why it doesn't work, that's one thing, but it's an 80s cocaine bills murray movie about christmas Carol yeah. you know we so we so you know we can like you can have fun with those kind of movies like i like die hard is the greatest christmas movie of all time it is. and the best line from it is i have a machine gun now ho 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 like you know you know that's you know you know that's not I mean, maybe Martin Scorsese actually could have wrote that line, but it's not, you know, that's not like one of the great philosophical to be or not to be kind of lines or whatever, but there, there's, I say ought to say this, there's no right way to watch movies. The only real way to watch movies is to enjoy them. If you have fun just looking at it on the surface, that's all that matters. In the 2000s and 2010s, we got like, you know, fucking, um, uh, Ro- uh, road Trip, uh, uh, all those Will Ferrell, Vince Vaughn movies. Mm-hmm. You know, we enjoy the rise of those. It's totally fine. Have fun with this shit because we don't got a lot of time left. <laughs> so <laughs> so just when, when you're watching movies, just live in the moment of watching the movies. And if you want to be an egghead, be an egghead. And if you don't, don't. It's It's really you know, it's really that easy. I, I very, I, I promise you that.
0: So with that, George, what are you most proud of this year, sir?
2: I, if you'll recall, uh, when we did this last year, I said I wanted to, to write more and that was mostly coming from a place of like personal writing and blog stuff, which I still haven't done, but, um, I got to cover, um, Professionally sports for the first time in my life, writing for Maryland. Um, covering the nice. ter- covering the terps football. I and saw the,
0: that byline. It no, took man, me a second, but I saw it. No,
2: men's basketball. I was like, hey,
0: that's George Gerpel. <laughs> <laughs> I was talking shit or something.
2: And so just kind of, yeah, being able to they're, they're they're it's it's bad, mediocre, but it's still, you know, college football, college basketball. Uh and so that <laughs> was uh that was fun, just kind of getting it's an energy you know, cause I'm, I'm kind of doing it outside my job parameter. Like I kind of, you know, there was an opening and I'm like, Hey, you know, mm. I see you got nobody doing this. So like, okay. It's like, Hey, tell, tell the sports guy. So you got nobody doing this. And, you know, kept saying, tell this, you know, kept beating the door long enough. Um, went to the West Virginia game as a fan. And then I was like, I'm going to be there. So I have been at every Maryland game, <laughs> but, um, every Maryland home game, but, yeah. um, was, uh, you know I'm like okay and just like just it's fun funny how just getting back into the rhythm of like because i did it in college i did a wvu i did it when i got my master's in maryland um and i i prefer this i prefer the spoken word i prefer broadcasting i prefer radio but writing's a different uh animal and you know i don't really have a deadline per se but my job is to get the story out in the, the quickest amount of time with the most complete I can factually and with the quotes and everything like that. And so that's kind of like a challenge I put on myself and it just kind of drives me to, you know, to try and improve. Um, I'm not I'm not trying to be better than anybody else or be the best at it, but I'm trying to be the best. I'm trying to better my craft at it uh, and, mm-hmm. and improve my own thing. And if I'm happy with that and I I know I'm putting in Good work and what I believe is good work, um that I can be happy with it. So, and I have been as the as the season's gotten better, and it's been fun. so good. that's cool, yeah. man. Congrats Thank
0: absolutely. You. When's the last time you um you got to write about sports for real george?
2: Uh, this this is it because every other time it's been um n- nothing has ever been professional, you know, like but mm-hmm. like you said, with a byline. So it's been me uh, and my co-host Mike Oste on the Howitzer Buzzsaw saw show. It's been doing this. It's been. Uh, you 92 stuff, you know, it's always been kind of like, uh, volunteerist or, you know, uh, unpaid or whatever it may be, but never like an actual professional I, you know, style of thing. So right. I did one or two freelance articles when I was in grad school that, you know, you paid me a hundred bucks for, but, um, but no, yeah, this is like the first actual time doing it kind of as a repeat and doing it professionally. So it's, it's been, it's been, it's been rewarding
0: nice.
1: That's great, man.
0: That's, that's super exciting, man. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm, I am also proud of you, sir. (laughs) Thank you. I'm I'm glad uh, you were able to pick up, pick up on uh, the goals from last year and you, you saw the hole and you ran for daylight.
2: So that's what we're trying. We're trying. So
0: so do you think you're going to continue to write next season? Or I I know you're doing basketball, but you, yeah, I think so. You
2: You know, we'll see if this, uh, this bowl game happens. Um, I'm, I'm scheduled to cover the bowl game and then, uh, just a story. Did a story today. Danny Manning is the new uh, for you basketball folks out there. Former Kansas Jayhawk. He's the new Maryland basketball coach because they they got rid. Oh of wow! That. I they had no rid- idea. No. Okay. So people. Me neither. Going <laughs> through my sports ga- news gathering mode here. People people started getting sick of Mark Turgeon. Uh, whether you believe that was right or not, it just kind of felt like the relationship was you know kind of fraying a little bit, and the team kind of was. They won some games. They were inconsistent. And they lost to Virginia Tech at home on a Wednesday. And he got booed as he went off the court. And then two days later on a Friday, uh, he said he had enough and he parted ways uh, mutually.
0: Amicably, huh?
2: <laughs> that type of thing with the university. <laughs> well, no. I, I think he he didn't get fired. I think, I think he quit. You know, honestly, he quit on him. Like, he just like, OK, I'm done yeah. with this and uh, whatever. And he had just brought Danny Manning who I didn't realize was the basketball coach at Wake Forest last year and got fired. Again, um, no idea. <laughs> okay. But yeah, many people yeah. remember him. If you're I old thought, school, uh, Bobby was still to go at the yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> hey, uh, if you're old school college basketball fan, Danny Manning played in like the eighties at Kansas, won him a national title and everything. Um, okay. yeah. And, uh, coached at Tulane, I think, or Tulsa, I forget. And then wait, was at, at Wake Forest, but him and Mark Turgeon played on the same team at Kansas. So, uh Mark Turgeon brought him on as an assistant and that kind of worked out because it's not just like a no-name person that has to coach the rest of the season it's actually somebody with some bona fides and uh was a legit star in his day and everything and kind of brings a little more and he's a little more animated on the sideline I like him he's a you know he so we had a press conference with him today about them getting back on the court for the first time in a couple weeks uh via zoom and everything so I, I I like him um I don't know if they're gonna they have big expectations. They're, oh, Maryland's going to, you know, Maryland was ranked twentieth. Start the season, West Virginia is eleven and one, and they still can't get a ranking because everybody ranks. hating on Bob Huggins, ridiculous ass shit. Uh, I don't care who they played, they've won, they've they've won eleven of the twelve games they played. But right, I digress. Um, but Maryland was ranked, fell out because they started losing some games. They're like six and four now. But a lot of people, oh, they're, you know, is this going to be a team to make a run? Because uh, they won, they sh- won a share of the Big Ten during the pandemic season. And then of course the tournament didn't happen, so uh, kind of up in the air if what the season's going to look like for Maryland. But you know they got they got some games to play. They could make the tournament. We'll see what happens. But uh, yes, yeah, a little bit of upheaval going on with that right now. Okay. But it's fun to it's fun to cover. So there's no shortage of uh, uh, interesting topics.
0: Uh, fun fact: My favorite Danny Manning team he ever played for was when he played for Phoenix Suns.
2: Mm, there you go. <laughs> the
0: late late nineties, I believe, mm-hmm. when he he had like two two or three years that he was playing playing there. But then I think he got hurt. Big surprise there.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean his his pro career was pretty. I mean it was an average mm-hmm. career. Mm-hmm. So yeah. you know makes sense. And actually, it's funny, George. Uh, one of the things I've actually been thinking about here is he's even like pitching like freelance writing for uh, movie reviews mm-hmm. uh, at one of the local. I was gonna say papers, but I mean, there's, there's no actual paper. Y'all might have anymore. a paper left. You
2: never know.
1: <laughs> I mean, it, yeah, it's a paper somewhere, and some H E B is getting sold. But <laughs> I've actually been thinking about uh, writing, you know, trying to freelance for some writing stuff. So uh, on the movie review side, so. Uh, I'm, I think you, I think you're motivating me to do that, man. So uh, nice.
2: uh, that's, that's a niche. That's yeah, definitely something that's easy. That That's something that's super easy to like freelance about. Cause it's like, you know, there's a constant stream of things to talk about. Like normally freelance is, Hey, I have this idea about pollution in the Creek or something like that. And then you got to go do the research and you got to go talk to people and things like that. But you know with something like movies with you know thoughtful and nuanced discussion about it that's something that's a little bit more mainstream and probably easier to like bring to conception i would say
0: and you'll be following the footsteps of uh your man uh,
1: ebert there Mm. well my role model roger ebert (laughs) Mm -hmm. so uh but he's but yeah like that's that's like that's super big shoes, I actually feel. But Roger Ebert writing style and I have like a couple of his like I have his like his autobiography he he wrote before he passed and he actually he like wrote like a fuck ton of books and I have I have a book of basically like interviews he did kind of like the seventies and like the eighties a little bit. And you know, the way I, I aspire to kind of <clears throat> reached the plateau of not his plateau obviously but for my plateau and for me that really is about kind of expression of what these ideas and movies can actually do for people what kind of stories they can tell how deep they can actually go and how they can actually move people and so I think for Raj like his the the best quality that Roger had was he loved movies in a way that he was not shy about like transmitting that to the reader or to the viewer of you know the television show, and that's kind of what I want to do as far as uh, my writing and kind of like my podcasting to kind of you know transmit like how this movie experience made me feel, and if you listen to the Showgirls episode, <laughs> you, you'll know you'll know exactly. <laughs> Everything how lies about in the Showgirls episode, uh, but. But yeah, man. So I feel sure. like
2: there's there's still a place, you know, for that too. Because I remember watching him and Gene Siskel was like syndicated on Channel Two in Pittsburgh or something like that, and it was quick, it was snappy, but there was still detail. And I know it was the '90s, and like you couldn't go anywhere else for this information. I get that, but I feel like something like that could still work, whether it was like a YouTube, you know, 30 minute, 20 minute thing, or actual tele show on television with just two people kind of back and forth doing movies like that
1: yeah and you know the funny thing is so there's like two these two random people or uh or maybe they're bots i don't know but they're like, <laughs> they're like, they're like posting old um their old tv shows on youtube and it's i please don't report them because i'm very sure this is illegal um but i've watched like probably like over the years like probably 100 episodes this pandemic um, probably more, but it's so funny looking at their reviews and how some of them age really well, some of them uh, maybe not so well, and what they kind of got right and what they kind of got wrong about a lot of stuff. And um, yeah, like that—that that sharp wittiness—they uh, like snipe at each other every now and then. <laughs> uh, but they
0: were always uh, fighting, man. I, yeah. I remember that when I was a kid.
1: Yeah, but but they they're really good at their job. Like, and yeah. it's funny, like uh, Cisco. Uh, he he was like a philosophy major, which is like you wouldn't think like a philosophy major becoming the one of the most popular movie critics, you know, in the world. But you know, he he totally did it, and he was really su- successful at it. So, so yeah, trying to carve on my lane for you know that that kind of uh, critical eye on, on the cinema, like of course, he would say.
0: Yeah, I, I totally love that idea for you um i actually you used um a quote from cisco i believe in one of the we should do this again sometime episodes like maybe within the last 10 episodes or so and i ended up getting sick and missing some time from work and stuff and when i was out running around because i had to go uh, go get tested and stuff like that i ended up being negative um but i actually was listening i had the episode playing on youtube but i was listening to it in the car and it, it was just like i was listening to a podcast it, it was and it was just like actually listening to your podcast with the movie clips and everything in the background insert as well. So, and I've actually watched a few episodes of Cisco and Ebert now, because of that, and it's actually just something cool to throw on, especially when they do their year-end re- reviews where they go through all the old movies and things. Well, at the time they're new, but to go back and see what was big in '81 and see their takes on it and everything like that, I, I really do think that's a, a cool style that, like George said, still still has value in today's today's
1: world yeah and the episode you're talking about it's called superhero fomo yes and i kind of i based the episode kind of around me watching suicide squad the new suicide squad not really fucking with it but then in the midst of me editing the episode I, i was watching one of the um I was watching the Cisco and Ebert show when they were on PBS and it happened to be, I believe the year was 78, and they happened to be talking about like people, well, Hollywood in particular, pushing these kind of big budget films for the summer, but they don't really, they're not really good. They don't have value. Yeah, but you, you go to see them. Because everyone else is actually seeing them, not because you actually want to. And then those big budget movies are pushing out the smaller movies from being made. And it's it was incredible that in nineteen seventy-eight they were talking about that issue when in twenty twenty-one, like that has now happened in <laughs> cinema. Like and it's and like and me and George are kind of tweeting about this a couple of days ago about um If you look at the top 10, and even if you go to the top 20 of U.S. domestic box office, all of it is action. It's all big budget. Mm -hmm. There's no drama. There's sequels out the ass, uh, remakes, you know. So it's like in 78, they called the shot. And then decades later, it actually happened. Yep. Um, so like they're like they're ahead of their time. So I would definitely check out, um, you know, check out what they got to say. You know, some of the stuff they like I said they're kind of off about. They gave two thumbs down to Death Becomes Her. I just saw that episode (laughs) this morning, so that 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 was a big disappointment because that movie fucking kills. But you know, we gotta let some stuff slide. Absolutely. All right.
0: Um. Well, that just leaves me. So the thing I'm most proud of this year is um ironically enough through a dumb old app that I thought was only for dancing I regained my uh, rapping stride um because I got back on I got on TikTok in December TikTok. January <laughs> yeah and then I discovered that they have this duet feature where you could and people put their beats up and you could rap over them and like sometime in January February I started doing those and I turned out quite a few of those this year, and it actually helped me regain my confidence when it came to actually writing, rap, and stuff. And I have to say that I I have not been this confident since at least before Leah was born, if not ever, when it comes to rapping. Uh-huh. So I'm actually really proud of the fact that that dumb old app got got me to put pen to <laughs> pen to pad and try different styles and different flows and t- take different things that was happening and plug them in and be topical and try to be funny and do it all within 60 seconds and it's been a lot of fun i'm actually have stepped away from it because um i'm actually working on writing um, actual songs now um and getting back into that format again but at the beginning of 2021 i i don't remember if i had this as a goal to write more music i'm sure i was like i want to make music Mm
1: -hmm. but i
0: didn't think this would be the way that i would do it I was just prepared to go back into the traditional format of you pick out a beat and then you sit there and you write 16 and you come up with your hook or do the hook first and you're 16 and, and everything. And I never thought that I would literally be sitting like, have it like I got an hour before work. I got this beat. Let me, let me take 10 minutes to write this verse. Let me take another 10 to 15 to record it and then post it and then get to work on time and it be as fulfilling as it has been and also been great practice to get me back in the, the swing of things so to speak so i am most proud that i actually got back to writing and um recording and i know i know no air quotes like i actually have recorded some stuff um and i actually worked on my craft as a rapper this year because i've spent so many years doing podcasting and then last year i kind of kind of strayed a little bit with the whole streaming thing and i was focused on that briefly and then earlier this year i was focused on doing video stuff and and not to say that any of that stuff was bad but getting back to to rapping and writing music and songs is something i'm really proud of even in that format because i know that i'm ready to expand it into the regular format of of my normal music so i'm very excited about that
1: yeah i'm i'm excited to hear man uh if you if you ever need any help with it man like my, you know, I'm always open, man. So I got, send me I got, over some shit.
0: Spots open for you and George if y'all want to drop some sixteens, man. Oh man,
1: wow! <laughs> All right, I'll, I'll do, I'll do like a, I'll do like a A bar interlude. Fuck okay. it, why
0: not? Yeah, you can do
1: A bars, George. I, I,
0: I, got some. Got I got, some, rap goofy. Beat. I got some goofy raps. One and wraps. two and mm-hmm.
1: three and
0: four. That's, that's you it. know
1: Kel, have you ever listened to like an Action Bronson like album? Yeah. You know how like big body best just kinda comes in? Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll, hey. It's <laughs> the <Just a> world <laughs> wide.
0: All right, I got you. I got you. Say say less, fam.
2: I like action bronson.
0: I think everybody likes action bronson except Ghostface.
1: Um oh my god, that shit was so funny. How did, oh my god. <laughs> That was a that was a very weird situation, but that, that was a weird. It, it was movie. so funny as fuck. It was yeah. funny as shit. So,
0: so since we talked so much about movies already, I'm gonna go ahead and pivot to our movie question, our first one, <laughs> and I'm just gonna lay this in here real nice and sweet because my answer is quick and to the point. The worst movie that I saw this year was Eternals.
1: Oh. Oh wow. Okay.
0: Because you know, I, funny. I, go ahead. I'm sorry.
1: <laughs> I was gonna say. I I was, I was actually. I was remembering when we recorded, uh, about maybe two years ago, about kind of the next phase of MCU and how, Eternals were, and like we brought up the point specifically that, Eternals could probably be like the make or break point for the MCU in this new phase. So, why did you hate Eternals so much?
0: It's not so much hate. I'm going to say that. I, I actually pulled up my letterbox, shout out to uh, you and Kat, to see where I rated stuff and like to see what I actually watched this year and everything like that. And honestly, it was the most disappointing experience for me because I finally decided I'm going to go to Alamo Draft House for the first time. Yeah. I'm at my dad's moment, so I'm going to go to Alamo. And I got there, and I got my seat, and I got my order and stuff. And I'm like, all right, I'm about to watch this MCU movie. It's going to be hella dope. And I, I, and I was just ready to go. And then my food came, and I was still watching the movie. and it it just it just was okay. it It was just okay. I didn't hate it as far as it's the worst thing I've ever seen. i I don't even know as much as I'm a Captain Marvel apologist, I don't even know if it's worse than Captain Marvel. Um, but I just it just didn't click with me that much. And like there was great moments. There was great characters. But as a whole, like I, I just feel like it just didn't s- stick the landing. It, it was like Simone going in the air and getting the twisties and like mm-hmm. not knowing what was going on. That that That's the best way I can describe it. Did it set up some stuff? Absolutely. It's an MCU movie. But did it do anything for me as an MCU lover on, and as a fan of the genre of superhero movies? No. It, it's a very forgettable film, honestly. So that's why.
1: You, you didn't give it a star rating on Letterboxd. I realized so, that. I realized <laughs> that. So now you got to do it right now. Okay. Well, one out of I five
2: stars. That. Live rating.
1: Well, live. Kellen, I'm the app.
0: Dang, why has why, it got to be one out of five? I said I didn't hate it. I said it just didn't stick the landing. Sounds like a two. So so let me say that my, my Letterboxd reviews always start around three, and then they either go up or down. So I'm willing. I'm willing to go. I'll give it a solid two. I agree with that. So let's let's see the review. I'm gonna go ahead and put it in quotes. This film was like Simone getting the twisties in the Olympics. It got up in the air and had no idea how to stick the landing
1: you thought it was worse than suicide squad i didn't watch suicide squad oh wow so that's probably why all right uh george i know you said you only watched three movies this year so of the three which is the worst
2: space jam um oh you watch
1: about
0: space Jam. Let's <laughs> talk about Space Jam
2: I like dumb it. entertaining Space Jam
0: <laughs> got two and a half stars for me.
2: Okay. Like I like dumb entertaining shit. And I'm like, yeah, and you know, and the merch got me in. It's like, oh i man, look it the they boarding,
0: got... it came out on HBO. Yeah, yeah I
2: got... and it was the stream, you know, stream the only movie I saw in, in theaters is the one that um will be my favorite, which we'll get to. But okay. um the <sighs> God, I mean, just like half acting, LeBron. Like, just I just need you to give. I just need you to half try. Like, it's dumb, dumb. We don't play on the basketball court. uh, Yeah, he goes out there and you know, and it's just like you can already. He's not even like fake trying. you you don't even believe that that's his son. It's just like he showed up at a basketball court and there were kids playing and he's pretending that they're his children. Like it's just oh,
1: like dude. there's just oh pause. Whoa, whoa, whoa. That's, that's just a man showing up at a playground. Whoa, whoa, whoa. The back
2: in this in the back of this beautiful house in Beverly Hills or wherever they're at. Um got yeah it's just like see so you're relying a lot on the tech and it's like oh okay it's the technology and it's every movie in the war like i i enjoyed the thing where it's like every movie in the warner brother you know universe and they're all you know going that flying was by like i
0: cool.
2: was kind of cool like okay show your you know show off the ip type of thing don Cheadle was probably the best you know don yeah,
0: Cheadle he had the best ass off i, don't I was don't care best how old he role is. With, yeah
2: i was the best role in the movie i was like oh i don't like you don Cheadle. like it was he did good job you know him, he, he was the best actor in the movie, and then the, the Toon Squad was the, the number bugs in the Toon Squad were the second best group of actors. Yeah.
0: Uh, <laughs> w- the movie picked say... up once they got once they got he got with bugs. Yeah. The first part was just so hard to watch, man. Uh, so I mean, hard to watch.
1: Yeah. I was gonna say if you if you remember the original, like Michael Jordan, if, if you like really kind of think about it, he doesn't really do shit in Space Jam. Like, the, the reason Space Jam works is because of Bugs and of Daffy and the Monstars, and, you know, we, we have Jordan, and we, he's like he's, like, important to us in our consciousness, and it's, like, the Like Mike era still, so he doesn't have to do very much. I would be surprised if Jordan had more than... 25 lines of dialogue in all of Spaceship. I'd be very surprised if you had more than that. 40.
0: Let's let's be fair, 40. <laughs> I mean... Out on that golf course, Ed, you
1: know. It's,
0: it's I mean, he had NFL to walk field. off a spaceship, bro, and wave to all the fans in the baseball yeah. field. That, that was acting, yo. That got me. That but got did he
1: say anything during his wave, though? That's the question. No,
0: you know who was saying some, something? A guy who I can't... who ruined another song for me. Cause you got that beautiful song playing in the background. And it's written by that dumbass Robert Kelly. Thank you, R. Kelly, for ruining yet another song that I can't sing and
2: enjoy anymore.
1: Oh wow! I'm sure there's a kids' bot version of I Believe I Can Fly that you can yeah. enjoy. Yeah,
2: I, I think Marcus is right. Yeah, a kids' bought version.
1: It's not the same. I believe I can soar. <laughs> see me running to the open door. door. <laughs> 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 That's a yeah, fucking prison Mark, cell. That just, he's, uh, he's you know my birthday? Can
0: you just a person? Oh, there we I go. Can, yeah. I,
2: can
0: <laughs> I can't fly. Fly, fly, fly.
1: Yeah,
2: shout, shout out to Dame Lillard, who was the third best actor in the movie, behind uh, Don Cheadle in the cartoons. So I enjoyed his, I enjoyed his role.
0: Yo, AD, <laughs> AD was terrible. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Art imitating life. Art imitating life. He was a
1: Jeez.
0: giant bird, Marcus. He was a giant Spoiler. bird.
1: Spoiler alert. Wow.
0: Yeah, they, Diana Taurasi was a, a, a serpent. Some kind yeah, of serpent. They, yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. They turned into animals? What?
0: Yeah, that That's that was Don Cheetos' sh- idea. That was his version. He Because he, Dom, god, I gotta explain this. Oh my god. Dom had a, made a video game. In the game, then then Don Cheadle's character sucked LeBron and Dom. His son, into the I game. love
1: it. I love that you just said Don Cheadle sucked LeBron.
0: <laughs> he sucked LeBron into this into, into the, the finish line, whatever. <laughs> into the finish line, the multiverse. I believe that's what it was called. And then Dom, he tricked Dom into working against his father, and then because because LeBron, as I said, he didn't love him. Right.
2: And then so Don because, Cheadle becomes the father figure, yes,
0: because Dom had exposure to the actual NBA players, he had put them in the game. So Don Cheadle took the the DNA, exposure, he
1: had put it to like the game.
0: COVID? What you know, no, he Kevin, met him in real life, Marcus. Shut up,
1: see, Kellen, see, Kevin, see, George, this is an example of we don't need to take all movies seriously,
0: and then he took, he gave him super magical animal powers and mixed with their NBA DNA. And now they were like the new mon mon monsters in the game. The game was entertaining though. The game is the best
2: part of respect his son. And his son wanted to design video games and was good with coding and things like that. But LeBron was like, no, you get your ass out there and fake play basketball. And so instead he joins with Don Cheadle and then they, his dad's got to play fake. Dad's got to play in a video game to, to save the world or whatever. So
0: Can, can I tell you my favorite part though, Marcus?
1: what if i say no kelly
0: <laughs> there's two there's two good parts it's my podcast <laughs> now what so why ask just say. so there's two parts that i love the first part is when they're down at halftime uh the the tune squad and then sylvester comes running and he says i found michael jordan and everybody's like, yo, Michael Jordan actually really did a cameo. Michael Jordan actually really did a cameo. Guess who walks in? Eric fucking killmonger Michael. walks in.
1: Yeah, <laughs> Michael, say, Michael B. Jordan. B. Jordan. Yeah. And then
0: he gets this horrible speech, and then he gets ticked out. That's the last time we see him. So that's one part I think was great.
1: The other one and also, can we have a can we have a quick sidebar that Michael B. Jordan is not that good of an actor? Go ahead, Kelly, keep going.
0: No, <laughs> we cannot. You can do that on your podcast. <laughs> He was bad in Creed too, though. And then He's there's a rap good. battle. There's a rap battle, and it's it's oh pretty God, fucking no. dope. It's like no, wilding out. It's, it's dope. Not. It's it's, not. it's great. It's great. It works. They're no. rapping over um Flavor in Your Ear, I believe. Mm-hmm. They they kind of Flavor these
1: nuts, Space Jam. Like no,
0: Marcus, <sighs> tell, tell the
1: children. kids that. Tell the kids that Uncle Sean Matt Love said, space <laughs> champ flavor these nuts. So, so, Shoot. so. Oh, man. No, absolutely no. Um, well, I'm not going to go at length because me and Kat did an entire episode dedicated uh, to this terrible ass movie on We Should Do This Again sometime feed. The episode is called Halloween Kills, Candyman Spills. Candyman Man was literally the worst movie experience I've had this year. It was it, it was it was it was a shitty, horrible It was a shitty horror movie. And for a movie that wanted to comment on race from <laughs> for a horror movie want to comment on race, it was horrible at that. We had like a forty minute conversation on that. so uh, we can we can speed through that uh, dumpster fire of a terrible ass movie,
0: and we should do this again sometime It's available wherever podcast are podcasted.
1: Yeah, my that movie was so fucking bad. It was so <laughs> bad. Um, but pivoting to my favorite movie of the year, um, so like Kelly kind of alluded to, uh, we kind of put them onto Letterboxd. And Letterbox is a free app that you can you can pay for, but you can still use it for free.
0: Why and, do you pay for it?
1: Well, one, I fuck I it was, they were doing like a little Christmas. They are doing like a Black Friday thing, mm-hmm. and because I actually I do like Letterbox, I I threw them money just to kind of support it. It was a one-time thing for the year. Got gotcha. you. And so I I have like, pa- uh patron status, but I it gives you more. It gives you more information as far as like stats and stuff. But it, I mostly did it because I I support Letterbox and I want to see them, even make the app even better than what it is. Because I know the free app is... It can get janky. Um mm-hmm. so, but, so basically, I, I'm, and also because I'm OCD, I use it to track a bunch of shit. And I have probably over a dozen... I have like a dozen and a half lists of just movies that I've kind of tracked or whatever. And I track new movies I've watched this year, just new-to-me movies. So it can be from... 1942 like Casablanca or from this year and so so far the new to me movies I've watched is 112 and that doesn't, that doesn't include like rewatches doesn't include shit I've already watched before so, um, so <laughs> of the 112 movies I've watched I would say from this year I love Dune. Dune from 2021 was actually really Marvelous and Spectacular, and um, we already did an episode on it, so I super in-depth in it, but it was really good, um, but an older movie that I really enjoyed that I, for, well, actually, before I even get up to that, we're kind of talking about the superhero big shit this year, so I'm going to pivot to someone that's not that this year, uh, and I don't know if, if in local theaters even streaming or playing anymore, Is a movie called Come On, Come On. And it came out this year, and it stars Joaquin Phoenix. And it's basically, it's this movie that's in black and white, and he's this uncle of this kid. And the kid's family's kind of going through some drama. And it's like this kind of, it's not necessarily coming of age for the boy, but it's really about Joaquin's journey to becoming a good uncle. And it's super sweet. Like, it's super well acted from this kid who's like, like, 11 or some shit he's like super young uh joaquin he's i mean he's so tenured and long in the tooth but um it's a really great exercise uh and acting from him he's not over the top it's not like joker or whatever where it's super um over the top or whatever but he does a really great job in that so it's called come on come on um if you can find it streaming somewhere which you probably is—I don't think it's in theaters anymore—but uh, I would try to watch that. Um, uh, but something other than that uh, that I really enjoyed was uh, this movie, *Broadcast News* from '87, and it's—it's it's based on these reporters in D.C. Um, and how the kind of news back then was kind of reported on. And the idea of even back the idea of fake news and what is fake news and what is real journalism, um, it's it's really good. It stars Albert Brooks, uh, William Hurt, and Holly Hunter, and it's super funny. It's super sharp. It's super smart. Um, and that was like I I love watching that movie. Was, that movie is really really good. Um, it's probably one of the best movies of the eighties. So uh, that sounds
0: like it'd be up my
1: alley. Yeah, so broadcast news There you
0: go Nice, very nice um, I'm going to go ahead and take this one Before we mm-hmm. pass it over to George Mine is a tie, actually um, Because I, I I was going to do that thing where I, I Picked one that wasn't what everybody Obviously think I would pick, but then I, I stopped Myself so Marcus wouldn't yell at me So, I'm going to go ahead and say that No Way Home is one of my favorite movies of this year uh, You can Man. okay Um because it's an amazing film. I have not, I've barely talked about this film since I've walked out of the movie theater because it, the experience that I had with it as uh, being a Spider-Man fan since the age of, I don't know, six or seven, and then seeing what I saw on that movie screen, it still was really profound for me, and I really haven't dealt with all the feelings that it gave me. And it's not just from a cinematic, like, oh my, it's not a cinematic achievement, like mind-blowing greatest movie of all time kind of thing. It's just coming from a space of loving this character and then seeing that character being loved on the big screen in a way that he never has been before. not <laughs> not that weird. Mm. But that that's just how I feel about the movie. So I really loved No Way Home. And me and Marcus are planning on talking about it here very soon. We're going to unpack a bunch of stuff because he asked me to do it. When Marcus calls, you know I have to answer. So, we will get to it. <laughs> um, my other film I want to talk more about, just because I could easily get into No Way Home and take over this whole podcast right now. Um, it's another film that came out pretty recently. It came out in three parts on Disney Plus too, and I had and on Disney Plus, and I had no idea I would even like this film so much. It's so good that I haven't even finished it because it's eight hours long, and I still know it's easily the best film I've watched all year. I was after away way home. And that is the get back movie from
2: the, the Beatles. Beatles thing. Okay. Yeah. 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 Tell me about that.
0: Yeah. I, as a musician, um, rapper, whatever you want to call me songwriter, songwriter, be better. Mm-hmm. Um, I have always found myself really digging, uh, documentary films about musicians and especially when they get into depth and stuff like the Eagles documentary came out a few years ago. Um, that HBO put out. I really loved that one, even though I had never, Really, I'm un- like I never thought about the Eagles like that until that movie, and I realized how much dope shit they actually made as much as they get criticized throughout history as be as ruining rock and roll and all this stuff. That <laughs> documentary was super dope. And I've always liked the Beatles, and I turned it on because it was like, all right, let me just see what this is about. Like i I, I didn't think it would draw me in, but the fact that Peter Jackson took this footage that was shot in sixty nine. Of course, it was digitally remastered to not only fit the format and times of today, but the pictures looks like it's literally being filmed right now. Mm. And you're literally a fly on the wall in the studio session with four of the greatest band members of all time. And it's crazy. Um, Crazy to see you see them bickering. You see Yoko and John, you see Paul getting along with Yoko, you see the other ones getting along with Yoko, even though the big persistent rumor is Yoko broke up the Beatles. You see Paul McCartney walk in, and Ringo is there, and George is there, and he walks in and says, Lennon's late, this motherfucker picks up a guitar, and then starts picking at it. And the next thing you know, he's got the... ( staircase) And then within like maybe, I don't know, let's say half an hour, 45 minutes, let's say an hour, they have fleshed out the initial idea for their song, Get Back, and it's rocking. The four of them in this... Then they were on a soundstage. The four of them at this soundstage that they were using when they started the uh, filming process. Then Lennon walks in, late as fuck, with Yoko. (laughs) And (coughs) Lennon's like... Sits down... He's looking at them. They're still rocking. He picks up the guitar and he goes and he just, <laughs> just goes right into the song. And it's like one of the most amazing things I've ever seen musically in my life. I've seen people create beats within 10 minutes, like kind of like the hustle and flow thing where uh, he made its heart out here for a pimp, like literally out of nothing. Um, I've seen that come out of thin air when it comes to producers making music either on equipment or in on computers. I've seen rappers come up with dope verses off the top of their heads right in front of me and no writing I've seen a local rapper I know uh, Jumbo Green 66240 he's Jumbo Green now he was in a dead ass <laughs> sleep on the floor dead ass sleep it's like 3 4 in the morning dead ass sleep he, the guy he was recording with just finished his vocals he, it took him a little while he's in a dead ass sleep I'm just sitting there drunk and whatever at the end of the night I'm watching these two he walks over to to six taps him on the shoulder and says, "Yo, it's your verse." Six wakes up out of a dead ass sleep, <laughs> walks over to the microphone, listens to the beef for like maybe forty five seconds or so because he had heard it like he had heard it while he's sleeping. But you know, he walks on the microphone, lays down a one take sixteen, and then proceeds to go sit back down and kind of nod out again after he lays the books <laughs> I've seen some things. So to see that and then to see even the bickering, to see the songwriting process, to see Paul trying to keep them all organized, to see Ringo just happy to be there, <laughs> you know, <laughs> to see George and, and Paul getting in the fight about playing the wrong notes, to see Lennon's in there bullshitting most of the time and him and Paul just going back and forth and being silly-ass motherfuckers at the same time while they're making this dope music, it's an incredible experience for me as a songwriter. And if you're a real Beatles fan, if you're really into music, then you might have had a similar experience, but nothing compares to what I'm currently watching. I was actually watching it before um, I got you guys on here Mm. and I'm only on part two and I still got like half an hour left and Mm. I am enthralled with this thing. And I know I'm going to repeat watch this thing many times for years to come. So give back is, is definitely a film of the year for me.
2: I'm going to check it out. I'm going to check it out. All right. I'll pivot, to, to back to Marvel again, uh, when we haven't mentioned, um, Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. I enjoyed the hell out of that, man.
1: Um, <laughs>
2: that was, that w- I saw it twice in theaters, which is oh, not a thing you? that I do. I was like, I'm gonna go back and see it again in the theater. You know, <laughs> um, I'm really
0: glad I caught it in the theater. I almost didn't. Uh, but, but I did catch it and I, it, it, it gave me a similar feeling to, uh, it wasn't as great as mm-hmm. Iron Man when it came out, but mm-hmm. just the initial here's your character, here's his story, let's go. And you just go on his journey with him. Um, I, I really, really enjoyed all the performances in that film.
2: And like the two things, two things for me. A, my favorite, you know, generally I didn't see Eternals, but uh, my favorite type of Marvel movie is like you do the crazy otherworldly things, but you ground it in like Earth because like mm-hmm. I can I can relate to earth you know <laughs> like like I didn't see the uh the Guardians movies until like after the fact because then it was like oh I understand where these fit in the puzzle now and then it was easy but right. like one off like oh the space event whatever they are like you know it doesn't really do it for me but when you put it in the bigger puzzle okay it makes sense but you know love when it's grounded in like places I can relate to um the second thing is like it sound like a simple you know basic white man answer <laughs> i i like when i can through marvel or movies or whatever like you're exposing me to certain aspects of culture that i don't know or that i'm unfamiliar with yeah and like the, just like it was like simple things like a i like how they do you know the subtitles at the beginning kind of setting up the origin story and then they're in they're in the the apartment before they go out and and get on the bus uh, and it's Shang-Chi talking to, you know, the grandmother, uh, the Asian grandmother about, you know, oh, when are you two going to get married? No, we're just friends. We're just friends. Like just like seeing like how loving and how that, you know, a same similar family unit would operate like our family units would operate, you know, yeah. and just seeing it in a different culture is like it's interesting to me. And it's eye opening to me to kind of, you know, see those things because I wouldn't, other, you know, see it They're otherwise. they just like I us.
0: See- <laughs> yeah yeah
2: exactly like if i if i didn't seek it out like in a documentary or other type of movie um so i thought they did a really good job with those type of aspects of it and you've got plenty of uh, it was a lot of different layers to it you know with this you know finding his sister and then you know back mm-hmm. to his father and then everything with the with his with shang shi's mother and um, you know, going back to her village and Tao Lao and everything. So it's I, I enjoyed the heck out of it. It was super, super interesting to me.
0: And the the dragon. The dragon Oh yeah. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> the drag the dragon was hella cool. <clears throat> nice.
1: Of of the movies of the twenty twenty one movies I've watched, uh I have Sean Chi at basically like number seven for the most part so seven best of twenty twenty one movies i watched so uh it was it was a it was a pretty good pretty enjoyable ride the i think the first i think the first two thirds are really strong as far as setting up the origin and um kind of telling a story and not being like a pretty Enjoyable experience. Aquafina didn't Aquafina. She was on a she was on the eight, so she wasn't on the Aquafina. So that was really good of her. Yeah. Uh, so always appreciate uh, <laughs> Yeah. So that was that was pretty good. It's pretty good. Nice.
0: All right. So let, let's go ahead and and knock out one of these uh these depressing answers. <laughs> so um, <laughs> yeah, well I mean no, you know Favorite
1: what? Favorite song?
0: Yeah, definitely favorite song. <laughs> definitely favorite song. You nailed it. Um no, actually only one of these is truly depressing. So um let's just go ahead and do this and then we can pivot back to the music and to the president questions. So okay. oh god, COVID year two. Um Marcus, how are you holding up?
1: I'm like shit. I mean <laughs> I mean right. there's, no, there's literally nice. no other answer. So I don't necessarily know how anyone could not feel anything above okay. Like, I think, you know, let's say you have a kid, you you get engaged, you get married. That's one thing. But like, you know, (laughs) uh, I, I, I think for me, one of the best things that actually happened that it's not it's something I am kind of proud of, but um, I was kind of able to get out of a, a work situation that I would describe as being toxic and that on top of the pandemic and you know not being able to see my family or hang out or do anything like that shit was just mentally draining on top of draining on top of draining. And so having that kind of victory to where, I'm actually doing something that I enjoy, um, with people that I enjoy it with. Like that, to me is a, is a, is a victory. Like so, you know, I had that. I was able to see my family for Thanksgiving. I saw Kellen for Thanksgiving, um, and on the funny thing is, the same day that I flew home, I flew. I flew home early enough that as the sun, as the plane was taking off in this fucking sky, and we got above the clouds, I can actually watch the sunrise. And mm-hmm. when I I flew into Baltimore, I drove into drew in, uh, drove into Morgantown, and by the time I actually got into Morgantown, the sun was actually setting. So I was able to see the sunrise and the sunset in the same day. I never did that in my entire life. Mm-hmm. And I was able to, you know, still do the podcast. I was able to make new friends. Um, You know, there's certain victories that you have that you really do have to kind of cherish and you really have to hold on to and be proud of. Um, You know, there were small victories throughout the year that I, I have that I'm super happy that I got to experience it. And it's one of those things to where you have those small victories and you're still trying to balance out everything else, you know, and it's it's kind of one of those things that you just have to kind of not get down as best as possible. Like, um, I, I think we have to be very cognizant and very sensitive to even people who are, you know, if they test positive for COVID, um, if they have a COVID scare, You know, not being judgmental of it, being understanding of it, because I think that was a big hurdle for people last year and this year too. To where, if they caught it, you know, maybe they felt ashamed of it for whatever reason. And it's like, you know, this this one you don't you don't have any control over. You 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 can be as safe as possible, but then just one thing can slip up, and then you catch it, and you know, you kind of have to deal with it, but you know, if, if you're, if you are able to take the vaccine, if you're able to get boosted, if you, if you have access to, to, to non-cloth mask, do that. And, you know, I'm, I'm super thankful that, um, to the best of my knowledge, I've never caught it. Uh, so, um, so yeah, man, it's, and, and, and if, and if I do catch it and if that happens, like, I I have I've been vaccinated and I've gotten a booster and I have health insurance and and it's like one of those things to where there's so much negativity and and you know it's so much craziness kind of in the world and it's just one of those things that if you have things that are special in your life whether you think it's small or someone else may think it's small. And it doesn't matter, like special is special. And so if you have friends, if you have family, if you have a job, if you have a hobby, if you have a talent, you know, really live in that and really try to accentuate that and really try to make something of that in 2022. And now that you have to monetize it, like you don't have to monetize everything you do, but if you have something that you love, you know, study it, learn it, and engross yourself in it, and just try to make it better for yourself. Because I think the the lesson that we kind of learned from this year and last year is that all this shit is fleeting. Like mm. this shit is so fucking fleeting, and you can you have to make the best you have to make do with what you got man and make the best yeah. with what you got and and if you want something if you're thinking about wanting something just go for it man and, and let the chips fall where they lie and so so yeah that's how i'm doing man it's shitty out here but we live in mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah man.
0: beautifully said beautifully said marcus
1: okay jack this is a we should do this again sometime podcast ad take one in a world where laughter was king no in a world jack what do you mean no in a world it's not that kind of podcast in a land that no in a land either in a time no, i don't think so in a land before time jack that's a cartoon movie and we may get to it if you use that uh can you say we should do this again sometime It's hosted by cat Chinetti and the mark rob please one man no when your life is no longer your own what What does that mean when everything you know is wrong okay bro that's enough we should do this again sometime with cat and mark coming to a podcast app near you someone get this guy out the booth please no i like it in here
0: george um how are you
2: sir yeah uh, it's <laughs> and i'll back off of marcus it's like it's it's like for me it's like find you know find yourself uh, in, in places that aren't, you know, don't find yourself in the world, you know, like for me, that's, you know, my faith, my family, friends, you know, and it was like about prioritizing those things and, uh, you know, seeing the people, you know, that I love and appreciate and, and, you know, spending time with them and maybe going the extra mile or doing things that I otherwise, well, you know, I don't, I don't want to do this now or blah, 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 or that's too much to do. And you know, I, I tried to, you know, go and do those things and see people just because, you know, sometimes, you know, we think we always have these opportunities. And uh, it's it's been evident that in the past 24 months that, um, you know, we need to take advantage of, like Marcus said, take advantage of those things and do the things uh, when they're presented to us, because it isn't this cyclical thing. It might not come back around again, you know, whether we're seeing uh, my friend Brett in South Carolina or uh shout out to brett shout out to brett shout out to mike being a part of mike sweating in pittsburgh and seeing kellen and john and uh everybody and you know doing that we had a fun bachelor weekend in uh deep creek and everything like that you know it's those uh it's those things and those moments of you know focusing on that and less about the things that i can't control you know around me as much as i'm following and interested in news and politics and things like that you know like marcus said it just gets exhausting um and back and forth and that, you know, this changes and that change, things evolve and change. And then and it's just, you know, you'll, you'll, you'll be spinning like a top, uh, if you try and, and keep track of it. So yeah, it's about, you know, do what's best for your family, try and keep yourself safe. Um, that we still, uh, the funny thing is like still, <clears throat> uh, we, people like the, the basic rule of thumb, you know, in a world sans vaccines and sans masks is just like, Hey, you know, limit your time indoors, close to people, and just like spread spread out. You know, it's just <laughs> and and yeah. and when you're caught, like if if we didn't have those things, you know, and like it's still like strange seeing like I'm in stores and I'm hearing people coughing. I was like, why the fuck are you all coughing like that in the store? <laughs> you know, like yeah. okay. like coughing your guy, coughing Somebody your was kid. coughing front row in uh, No Way Home, and I was like, see exactly <laughs> like. Like, like cough, like coughing your like arm or sneeze. Like I'm, me. I'm, I'm sneezing down into my shirt if I got to do it or something if I don't have a mask on or whatever. Um, it, it, yeah, it's like again the simple, the, those simple things about like you know get yourself clean air, spread out. You know, people stand in line at Kroger. You know, don't stand so close. Don't stand so close to me in the line at Kroger. Um, <laughs> So yeah, it's, it's those type of things, you know, take precautions for yourself because other people ain't going to take precautions for you <laughs> sometimes. Um, and, uh, yeah, try, try and find a, f- find a way through it. It feels like we're, uh, you know, I'm, I've been wrong about predictions so many times. Um, but, it, but it feels like we're coming through maybe closer to an end point than we were at this time last year. Who knows? But, um, yeah, uh, yeah, we'll see Lord willing how that goes. But, uh, yeah, it's it's you know f- find whether it's phone call or uh, sending a note or a card or you know a little gift five dollar gift card or something like that you know just to take care of the, the people you love and the people you care about uh, and th- those are the important things find yourself in that you know and not in the news or you know the latest debate about uh, masking and all these other things you know you see on television and all that no find find yourself in the people that care about you and the, that you care about so
0: yeah. Another great answer. Um, God, I'm I'm holding up better now than I was. I don't know, even two or three months ago. Uh, so, uh, since this has really started, um, I keep finding these uh, massive crises crises to have in my head that I'm I'm constantly going through, and it, it's been challenging from a mental aspect because I'm trying to always be mindful of what's going on as far as who I'm near, who I've been around making sure that at work, since I'm in the supervisor that everybody's following the guidelines Mm -hmm. there and not doing anything stupid there. And then making sure that I'm being safe for Aaliyah and Angel. um, And then also being mindful that they're going to public school five days a week. And then they could bring something home at any minute, and there's just nothing you can do about it. Um man, it, it's 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 a it's a constant roller coaster for me. Um I I found myself thinking less less about worrying about getting COVID and dying, at least. I I I kinda am slowly realizing along with everybody else that. Yes, we are. We're vaccinated, and I'm thankful we're vaccinated. Um, but just because we're vaccinated doesn't mean it's going to be eradicated. It this is something that we're going to have to live with for a long time. We're only on like variant number four or five, and there's going to be several more variants come down the line. Hopefully, no more, nothing as deadly as the first ones um, that, that came out. I mean, obviously, people are still wanting to get, get COVID and get sick and unfortunately pass away. That's just the way of life because if they're not doing everything they can to protect themselves, then, I mean, it, it just is what it is, unfortunately. know, I'm sorry for anyone who's lost anyone to COVID or anyone who's, who has COVID right now and didn't take the proper precautions. Um, My heart goes out to you. I can't sit here and be angry at – as much as I want to sit here and be angry at at let's at the republicans or at anybody who's who's anti mask, anti vax or even when i see people like trevor noah or lebron james slipping their little anti vax comments out there into the wild and stuff and and feeding into the frenzy and stuff especially as as people of color i i can't let myself get angry and caught up with that i've already spent the last 4 years angry enough about what was going on in Washington and White House. Um, it's it's just a new form of stress if I continue to let myself do that. So really, as far as how I'm doing now, like I said, I, I am doing much better. I've realized that I I'm I have limited bandwidth for years and years. I've always try to go like George said above and beyond for people. And it's one thing when you're going above and beyond to see a person, like there's no way Marcus was going to come into Morgantown and me not see Marcus like that, that was going to happen. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's like sometimes just things are going on and you just honestly got to be like, look, I, I, I I can't do this. And whether that's for mental reasons, whether that's for safety reasons, whether that's just for like your health reasons, like per like personal is like, you know what, I'm just too beat to do this or I have to put off this thing I have to do even at work until tomorrow. And, and thankfully, um, work's been super understanding about that. And then there's stuff around the house that constantly needs to be done. And there's days where I'm just like, I can't get to this today. I have to put it off till tomorrow. And this year has just like last year been about continued growth and learning to live in a world with a, a, A dangerous, uncurable disease Which is something, again, that we're only In year two of doing So it's a constant learning experience It's A a constant battle to Just to stay upon the shore As Garth Brooks once wrote (laughs) And uh, (laughs) And, um, yeah It's it's a thing That every day you wake up And I'm not looking at the coronavirus Section of Twitter Um and making myself anxious every morning like I was doing, even this time last year, I'd see a coronavirus thing come up and I'd be like, what's it say? What's the bad news? Now it's kind of like you you shrug it off. You know it's there. You know how to protect yourself. I've done everything I can to protect myself. All my friend, immediate friends and family have. So. I mean, there there really isn't much more I can ask for. Would I like to wake up tomorrow and magically be gone and everything kind of go back to normal? Absolutely, but we're not in the new normal anymore. This is this is normal now. And until it's not, I mean, we just got to try to be safe and be as good to each other as we can, even with our differing differing views on things, uh, politics aside there. And and we're just gonna. Keep moving and like the BG said, try to stay alive. So all right. It's a lot of words. <laughs> <laughs> so um coming off of the heavy topic, um, let's go ahead and move into our more fun heavy topic. Mm. And I want to just hand this right over to Marcus. So now that we are almost at one year without Donald being our
1: president.
0: Marcus show him mad love Robinson. Does anything really feel different now that he's been gone for almost a year?
1: I mean, we don't have a buffoon as, as our international symbol. I mean <laughs> <laughs> I mean that's question answered. I mean, but to be honest, I would say that is kind of well for the most part, I would say on a daily basis. When I see kind of Biden's name kind of pop up on news or on the feed, um, it doesn't necessarily kind of hint at that buffoonery, um, but there's still things, kind of a lot of things about Biden that I'm I'm not necessarily a fan of, um, and I, I think he's really in this kind of weird kind of intersection of. So yes, you won the election, and you're at you're at this crossroads of, you know, v- variants of coronavirus. Uh, you have this big push of getting student debt canceled. You're getting bitched by Joe Mancini. I'm not calling him Joe Manchin Calling Mancini—that's <laughs> his real fucking name. So he's fucking—he's got. <laughs> Who who would have thought that just Joe Mancini just flexing his muscles and saying I'm gonna hold all this shit up and what are you gonna do about it and Biden is like uh okay it is it, there's things for Biden that I'm I'm just really kind of like well neutrality isn't helping shit and there is, there is positive that he's done. And like I said, even just the idea of I'm I'm not ashamed of our president on an international scale of being like a a xenophobic buffoon. (laughs) But when you get beyond that, it's like, you know, we got you elected and it's, it's been, it, it, we just kind of need more shit done. Like we need, we just need kind of more things done in a more quicker kind of way. And it just really feels like we're at this kind of stalemate of, you can't just have one man with a constituency that small hold the country hostage. Like you just right. like the the government just can't just be that. Like it, it, it just can't work in that kind of way. And so, um, Biden he's just he he's done well well he's done okay, but there's just way more stuff that we we need to have him do. Uh, I think we're gonna get if I had to predict, I think we are gonna get Biden v Trump part two um and who and to be honest, like who who knows which ways that's actually gonna swing um, so so it's uh it's anybody's guess. You know the funny thing is, I I kind of tweeted this kind of tongue in cheek, but I think Manchin's probably going to use this as just some kind of effort to <laughs> to leave the Democratic Party, being independent, and then in a twenty twenty four try to run. Under, oh my under, God! It, I, if I uh, this is strictly speculation, right? But, I think he's gonna to try to use it to run against him in twenty twenty four, and then lose against Donald Trump. But um, it's it, 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 we're in a weird kind of time for, for politics, right? man. Yeah. And especially if you live in a state like I do, with our governor who is super conservative. I mean. Abb is just a fucking train wreck too, man. Like, <laughs> like it's it's just a lot, man. It's 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 a lot kind of going on in this country. And we kind of talked about the coronavirus, also the political environment as well, that is is super important for these stuff, for this stuff. And um and even even with CDC stuff, as far as now they're kind of recommending that you don't have to quarantine as long if you're test positive and you're asymptomatic and a lot of people have backlash against that so you know we're we're really moving in a weird kind of time man politically there's not a lot of it just feels like there's not a lot of allyship um even even for um liberals that voted for biden to get elected it just feels like a, a a vast majority well maybe not a vast majority but it feels like a sizable portion of that voting block is not satisfied with Biden um so when, when you know this this the state elections local elections come up um when the the presidential election comes up and it's shit two fucking uh two years goddamn well <laughs> <laughs> that, that that doesn't seem... it seems so close that we're really on this kind of cusp of are we really going to change who we are Are we really going to be about the country as a whole or are we just going to keep being divided until the end of time, basically. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's, it's, we, t- we talked about movies and I just saw the matrix resurrections mm-hmm. and the biggest theme of the original trilogy is, especially the last movie, is that balance between you have the good represented Neo and the bad represented in Ethan Smith. But the real kind of message of that is they're always going to be equal. Like, you're always going to have that push and pull, the yin and yang. And it just feels like if you're on one side, the other side just works harder to get their agenda achieved. And so if you're on the side of women's rights, if you're on the side of of uh, voting rights, it just feels like the other side of that is just going harder to to quell those, and you know we're we're just in a really kind of volatile time in America here, in the world obviously, but in America specifically.
0: Great answer, George. Would you like to follow that up, please? Oh, man, Marcus did a good job. Hot uh, father working.
2: The, 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 the nice part is you just. You don't wake up, you know, whatever time you, you woke up during, you know, given day in the Trump administration and there was already some fucking shit storm going by like 8 a.m., which is usually the time I wake up yeah. because that uh, clown was up at, you know, like four tweeting shit at four. a.m. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just like, oh, we're going to buy Greenland today. Oh, we're going to, you know, I, I saw I, this is like the dumb, the dumb shit about like just how a week felt like a year and a month felt like a lifetime in that administration is like I'm seeing like I just this week the Greenland thing I was like that's fucking right he wanted to buy Greenland like I you know just like (laughs) things that you think you know aside from like you know insurrection and racism and all the other shit like down here was like random ass shit like uh the Zelensky fake tell Zelensky president no quid pro quo that dumb thing that if you look up the memes people made it into a song I think it's hilarious but um, all that shit, impeached twice, but then down here, like wanted to buy Greenland at one point from Denmark, which owns. <sighs> it. Here. Sorry, Greenland's not for sale.
1: Um, uh, the fucking insurrection. <laughs> I
2: guess <just>, I <laughs> oh get. So God. I got. I guess we, an angry. And that led the year for public. Uh, yeah, the consumption. That
1: <laughs> that was at the start of the fucking year, man. Like yeah, oh yeah, year, yeah, January 6th. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We're in a weird ass time, yeah. man. Yeah,
0: watching everything on my phone, watching watching people literally break into the Capitol and cops just standing there watching people come in. Yeah.
2: Man, no, I just I, I can't even. Uh, uh, sure. And Elon Musk is man of the year, so or oh, person of,
1: of the year. This,
2: uh, so, I, I think great. I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll give Manchin one, one, uh, credit, Mancini, uh, uh as you call him. Um, there is something to be said that it does feel like the staff of the white house is controlling the direction of the co- country more than the president and it's it's interesting because like you know uh, when you look at these administrations like it's usually a small group of advisors so I'll give you like m- small political like crash course like you know George W Bush administration it's him the president carl rove is his advisor Andy Card is the chief of staff, and that's kind of like the group. Dick Cheney's involved in some things, but that's kind of like the group. The Obama administration—it's Obama, Valerie Jarrett, super involved, White House chief of staff, um, Rahm Emanuel, who was his. uh, Valerie Jarrett was the advisor, and Rahm Emanuel was his chief of staff. Like that's kind of the, you know, core group there. The Biden group seems like more far flung than that. So like when Obama said something, or he would go out and do a speech. Whether it was Affordable Care Act or whatever, like you kind of got the gist that, and like you know, Michelle's like healthy eating and those type of things. Like the initiatives that came from the White House, I felt, and I think people felt, like came from the Commander in Chief, came from the President, and came from leadership. And like some of this, some of the stuff from from the Biden White House, it doesn't feel like it's generally from the President, in my opinion. And I think that's kind of where you start, both with progressive people that think he hasn't done enough, and you know, more moderate people like myself that are just like, well, can't you just get some of this stuff across the line? Uh, I I I think that, I I think that like, it doesn't feel like that some of this stuff genuinely comes from the white house. I, 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 you know, this this sounds probably sound like, um, you know, trying to find a needle in a haystack. I think if you take some of these provisions out of why we always got to have big bills on stuff, if you took some of these provisions out and put them to a standalone vote, it might take a long time. But I think some of them could pass, whether it was extended um, fam- extended leave for um, for families when when you have kids, or whether it was uh, a student loan thing, whether it was completely canceling, or ca- I I would support a plan that like cancels to a number, like hey everybody gets fifty thousand, maybe it's not all of it, but we'll give you you know a one time push and a one time cancellation of this number. I think some of those things would probably have some popularity among both parties, but then we try and roll it into this ball of, we need to shove everything through. And the way legislation gets made, like like you said, Marcus, like you've got this window here, and it's the end of the year. And, and by the time three weeks from now, they'll be focused on reelection. And like nothing right. gets, because it's the midterm and then nothing gets done in a midterm year. And then if Republicans win the house, you're back to square zero, and it's just the same fighting bickering bullshit. Um, even yeah. like it hasn't, you know, it, um, you know, halcyon days of even though different parties controlled different branches of government, there was still like things you could pass and, and get done. And it wasn't uh, this fucking political suicide thing where, oh, God forbid, you know, our Kellen and I's rep- representative is David McKinley. He's a Republican, uh, First District of West Virginia, and, mm-hmm. you know, v- voted for a, a bipartisan infrastructure bill. One point seven trillion dollars whatever 1.2 trillion dollars it was negotiated um among the senate and the house and he was one of like 12 or so republicans in the house to support it and you want to rail on him like oh it's supporting nancy pelosi and her socialist agenda and it's like i i love public works spending. i like you know F, go back to fdr like i it's one of my favorite presidents and favorite times in history just because it was like you know tennessee valley authority and civilian conservation corps and they built shit that people still use. If you go to a national park, if you go to Shenandoah National Park, you're still going through roads and things that was built in the 30s by the civilian, by your fellow Americans, (laughs) the Civilian Conservation Corps. And it put Americans to work and it used the resources of government to try and better the country in the middle of an economic crisis. you know, infrastructure spending on roads, which if you're driven, you know, Robert C. Byrd's dead and we ain't getting as much money for roads anymore. If you drive around on some of these pothole ass roads in West Virginia, um, they need need fixed, you know, Uh, and that's any any road in the country. Like who is against bad infrastructure? And we're, we love, in West Virginia, we love talking about, you know, broadband. Um, I've been hearing about broadband for 20 years. I don't know what the hell's been done about it. I know they continue to allocate money to it, but (laughs) If you go into, you know, Kellen and I are fortunate to live in, you know, for West Virginia, relatively urban areas. But yeah. if you drove out like anywhere past Grafton, um, mm-hmm. uh, you, you you know, you're it's going to start getting spawnier, you know, in, in most of the vast part of our state. And those people deserve to have and the
1: haulers. Yeah. The like,
2: you know, I'm not asking for him to have like, you know, big ass tower and 5G. But like, you know, mm-hmm. some of those areas getting the same Internet that we're using to have this conversation right now, which they don't have. Uh, simple things, basic things, and that and that transcends party lines. It transcends economic lines, racial lines, and uh, gender lines. The same things happen in in. Uh, I've seen plate, you know, from my time being at Maryland and going through classes there. A lot of the same issues that plague Baltimore are some of the same issues that plague App- Appalachia. Whether it's drug gish, drug abuse and addiction, whether it's lack of access to food, lack of access to internet, lack of access to good water <laughs> in, the, mm-hmm. in the city. It's, you know, caused by one thing in the mountains, it's caused by pollution and them dumping shit into creeks and rivers. So, you know, uh, the problems are not that different regardless of what your, where you come from and what where your standing is uh, in this country. And I think those are the things that people could get together and find uh, a common ground to pass things on, but it's easier and it's lazier to um, go out there and just throw fucking bombs at people like this. You don't want to mention mansion. I don't want to mention this, uh, uh, mush face, uh, CrossFit woman from Georgia. That's, a, oh, um, a, a nut. <laughs> um, where like people in her own party who are, you know, trying to be like, oh, okay, let's do this. And then, you know, they're attacking each other. And like, that's what they want to be. You know, that's what, in the interest of full, full disclosure, I, you know, when I came out of high school, I was registered as a Republican and in about twenty twelve, 2012, I changed my registration to no party affiliation, which you can do in West Virginia, mm-hmm. and I, I I wrote in a vote, did not vote for for Trump uh, the first time, and I voted for Joe Biden in the last election because it was there was no way I was going to let that shit can you know continue. I couldn't you know with a conscience <laughs> couldn't vote for that shit to continue, um, and it's it, it, there are the party is just it's going to cannibalize and eat itself the republican party into this um just this cultish faction type of thing um yeah. part of me part, you know there part of me feels like <clears throat> both parties are kind of going in that direction where we've just gone polar i think the republicans more so than the democrats there are still because democrats represent a large you know vast constituencies you can be you know Alexandria Ocasio Cortez from Queens, but you can also be Dean Phillips, who's from Minneapolis. You know, like there's there's still Democrats, and, and the needs of the Democratic Party vary in different areas of the country, even though they've lost a lot of rural voters in the last you know four or five eight years. But uh, the, the Republicans are going down a down a path that's you know not even you don't even want to be associated with that with a ten foot pole. Um, it's, is is, it's, is
1: it's that yeah it's that balance man it's like you like they're like i've definitely seen you know even during the second election of the the re-election of obama to where you know progressives are really putting that to the word they're really trying to progress the democratic party to where like cancel that fucking student debt like make sure women have voting rights like uh paternal leave, like PTO for that shit. Like they're really trying to get the Democrats across the finish line for that shit. But on the other side of that, you do have kind of conservatives, well, that are getting like ultra right, getting mm-hmm. into kind of Trumpism. And mm-hmm. that's like a whole fucking other dangerous thing. And <laughs> it's like, you know, you, you have like you have that that push and that pull that's really going on that, you know, it if the extremes, I mean, it, it, they're called extremes for a word because it feels like, even if you look at kind of like where we were, kind of political parties and like, like the Bush era, Obama's election, and then if, if from two, from 2008 to now, like in in the history of the world, that's not a long period of time, mm-hmm. but for this country. Like, it's like night and day. Like, it's, yeah. it feels like it. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's, it's a really kind of crazy-ass time. We're living in fu- the fucking textbooks, guys. Mm-hmm. Like, they're mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. like, we're going to be part of fucking textbooks. Oh, man.
2: It's, it's the it, 1860s and the years, 1960s right? all, like, at the same time. It's
1: like, yeah, we're,
2: we're fighting we're fightin racist-ass Civil War stuff and also, like, 1960s, you know, oppression of black people stuff all at the same time in yeah, 2021. Like, and I'm like, this is... F-. And, like, shit, and inflation from, like, the 70s and the 80s. Like, all of that is all into the, the into more, more things change, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, man.
0: <sighs> Damn. Um. So, the 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 correct answer is no. <laughs> <laughs> and to to sum up both of your arguments, it feels like the tug of war game from Squid Games is how it feels. So whoever falls off the edge first is just going to end up losing, obviously. And but. It, no nothing feels different i mean you you don't have the political swell that we had over the summer last year when george floyd and brianna was was murdered and everything like that you and you you don't have the activism or the the wokeness of that anymore you have people who are so glad that trump's not in office every day that they're immediately went back to being apathetic about the whole process again. Mm,
2: there it is. So, yeah.
0: so they no longer, they no longer care. At least Trump's not in there. I'm going to go by my business. Cause this has nothing to do with me again. Yeah. You have the over the, over the court, the overcorrection from the far right of you took away Trump. So we're going to double down on how we were acting before. And, be just as bad as before, but then even add in some more terrible rhetoric rhetoric on top of all that. And then you have, again, all these promises that Joe made that Kamala made that got them into office. And then they're stuck in filibusters and everything, because like you said, there's just too many provisions and bills and they're, they're, they're not, they're not being straightforward. I mean, they can't really do that to try and get things passed and they're trying to get things done quickly. But I mean, we kind of all knew things were going in a certain direction. In Texas, women lost their ability to have abortions. Roe v. Wade is closer and closer to being overturned as an overcorrection from Trump losing the election, even though technically everybody's like, oh, it would have happened under Trump. Yeah, maybe, but, I mean, they have even more incentive to take that away because we lost the White House, so why don't we take this away from something that's been in place for years and years because we didn't get our way um the, the two-party system is a farce <laughs> I I'm yeah, yeah. We're, we're not a, a democracy all we do is bicker and fight all the time our country's getting worse by the day and there's no true leader while, while there is a figurehead who who is saying things that are trying to be done and doing what he can at his rape old age, um, th- things are, per- are getting worse, ironically enough. And it's, it's no one's fault because these are things that have been put into place and have been building for years and years under the surface. It's just finally the the plates are shifting and everything is falling down around our ears every day when it comes to political scene that
1: that's my opinion i mean the prices for price for living is going up and wages aren't so right (laughs) so (laughs) so but nobody
0: wants to work because they're lazy lazy mfers don't want to go to burger king and flip my burger i gotta wait an extra 10 minutes this is bullshit
2: that it's like, that's what Marcus is saying. Let's that's, go, Brandon. That's, that's the lazy answer. And like the real answer is like, yeah, if you didn't like your job, like fucking quit. Like, you know, we were in the, I, lo- I love reading these, you know, great resignation stuff. Like we're in the midst of movement and employment that people are just like, well, I got to work. Cause like, I got to work. Well, maybe you don't need to work. Maybe there's a, like, we talked, you said cash flows earlier. Like maybe you start selling things. Maybe you make Paintings or crafts out of wood, and you sell like there's you know, we're get in an age where fans
1: popping
2: <laughs> exactly. You go get that that OF fans.
0: money, son. <laughs> Seriously, absolutely. Like,
2: you can, uh, I mean, if if there is ways for you to 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 make it, you know, that uh doesn't have to be the the base, you know, 975 or whatever the hell it is an hour, like that's. You know go ahead and free yourself from that like it's yeah it's not lazy to make 11 like,
0: an hour
2: see yeah it's like i you know I, I chose i chose freedom for myself like that's it's it's liberating it's emancipating like we should support that you know for the right people doing it for the right reasons like i need uh i don't need to subject myself i value myself better than this like and when you put a value on that then you start seeing these places like all right well I, you know i forget who couple of different, you know, major retailers, you know, all right, we'll offer you $16 an hour now. Cause like we need people. And when you you need people, you'll start changing the ways you view, uh, the people that, that, that you have and, and, and how to recruit them and how to retain them. So, yeah.
0: All right. That brings us to our last topic of the episode. This is a lighter one after those two heavy ones. We're going to go to George to lead things off here. So because numbers on the board is also <clears throat> supposed to be our our best of your wrap up kind of idea, um, George. This can be it, it can be from any time period. Don't feel obligated to make it 2021 necessarily. Right. So, what was the your favorite song, album, or EP that you heard this year?
2: Um, well, give an honorable mention as I like to do sometimes uh, to Adele's "30." Um, I was, I, I got, it's funny what TV, I'm good, people laugh at me, like, you get me with, like, a good advertising, like, I'll, I'll kind of, like, tune in for something um, that I'm mildly interested in, and CBS just, while I'm watching football on Sundays, just kept saying Adele one night only, and I'm like, okay, and I was, like, kind of into it because she, you know, was curious about, she hadn't really done, like, a big, at least American interview about, you know, since she had lost, you know, her weight, and,
0: it mm-hmm.
2: has been a couple year process, but like, you know, pandemic and everything like that, and about, you know, her divorce and, you know, dating Rich Paul now and all that type of stuff. And then on top of that, you know, show me these nice ass drone shots of the fucking uh, Griffith Observatory in LA and it's clear, beautiful night and she's singing. I'm like, okay, I'm in.
1: Uh, <laughs> and, Absolutely.
2: And like, I always liked, you know, uh, her, you know, I wouldn't call myself an Adele fan, but like, just somebody like, okay, like if, you know, lis- like listening to your music, like hearing it on, XM or or the radio and everything. And just did a real good, open, honest interview with Oprah and was just like, um, Hey, you know, I started, you know, just, it started with me. It wasn't like, Hey, I'm, you know, like this classic Hollywood thing, like, Oh, I, I am quote unquote fat and I need to lose weight. You know, it was just, she started walking one day and then she said, walking turned into some weights and it turned in and just like naturally found a journey. And like, I was like, okay, mm-hmm. props for that. You know, it wasn't this like, uh superficial hollywood uh based thing like it usually is with people that are celebrities um and just the the music was good and so honorable mention to her also cuz there's a tie in to my favorite album uh of the year which was delayed a year <clears throat> from last year uh and of course it is the foo fighters uh medicine at midnight was their their new album their 10th album came out and so they went um you know they went a little i don't want to say jam bandy but you know Kind of some bops, kind of kind of like dance hall type of stuff. The lead, the lead title track, "Medicine in Midnight," is like kind of this, you know, groovy type of '70s stuff. And they found, mm-hmm. I, I love the guys because they find their influences like all over the place. Um, and they can, you know, they can be the traditional rock, but then they can go, you know, a little more soulful and a little more peaceful. Here, the common thread there, both of those albums, Greg Kirsten again, who's you know uber mega producer who uh, you know worked with Sia, has worked with Katy Perry, has worked with. Um, <coughs> You know, pretty much everybody under the sun in in L.A. He did the Foos um, Concrete and Gold album and which was the last tour. And then so also worked with worked did Adele's and uh, did uh, Medicine at Midnight. But just like so many, only nine songs on it, but so many different. I just, you know, listen to it and I usually don't like, you know, I'm not one of these people that like I'll usually I'll click listen, kind of get a snippet of the songs and I'll like download like the three or four songs that I like. But like I just like listen to the album kind of end over end when it came out, which was really uh, on streaming, which was really cool. Um, and like just the backstory of some of like Dave uh, waiting on a war was like Dave growing a car with his daughter uh, and his daughter was concerned about a war and he just kind of wrote a song, you know, about it. I've been waiting on a war since I was young, you know, and it's just kind of like how you're always in this, we're always in this position of like aggression and uh, global threat, you know, like really goes away. Um, And then, you know, making a fire, which some of you may have heard in the, you know, Dodge Ram commercials, they get (laughs) the Dodge to do that. Um, That's my favorite one. Like I'm banging out to that when I'm like on the bike or running or something like that. Um, So there's, you know, some, some of the, you know, classic foo influences in there, but then they get into some more like riffy type of stuff with uh, a little more of a, a jam feeling or a little more dance feeling. And Dave even said that th- this is kind of like, Hey, we want it to be a rock album, but also something you can dance to. Um, and so I like it. I encourage people to listen to it because it might be a better intro point for, if you consider the foos, you know, traditional rock and roll. Um, I consider them the last great American rock band. Um, you, thought the e- you thought the Eagles ruined rock and roll. I contend the Coldplay ruined rock and roll. <laughs> but-
0: <laughs> I oh, probably would wow. agree with you there.
2: And and now, like, what's you know what 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 do we got is rock and roll like the genres like nearly dead except for the same you know bands that have been around for twenty years they're in the hall of fame they went to the rock and roll hall of fame this year right Foo Fighters so Um, but yeah so that was
1: I don't I don't even know what I think you have to is I would say you have to probably got have to go like indie like rock but then where is indie rock at like I think one of the, the last bands that I got into. I I think it's Haim. Haim,
2: Mm
1: -hmm. um, H A I M. I love their shit. They came out last year uh, Mm -hmm. with an album that was fucking dope. But then it's like, you know, who who else kind of newer is kind of dropping like good shit? So I I, I don't even know where to begin for like the funny thing is, so one of the bougie grocery stores I go to, (laughs) they'll play like (laughs) uh, Whole Foods. It's a. It's a good. Gr- well, actually, no. It's like H E B has this like this this chain called Central Market, but that actually has like the good vegetables and the good fruits, mm-hmm. like so, and the and the overpriced meats, which is actually really good. But they play like alternative rock, like not soft rock, but it's like alternative, like new mm-hmm. rock. And I throw on the Shazam to get like a, a random group from there every now and then. Yeah. But then, but it's like. You know, I think rock music in this is this weird kind of state to where, you know, who's the do- who's the predominant rock group to come out, mm-hmm. you know, since Obama got elected? <laughs> like since he got reelected. Like so it's you know, it, it's it's like the last decade of rock music is, is super kind of weird yeah, that yeah. yeah. Like I mean, rap has kind of turned into pop music. Um and it's like, and then like the kind of the the vibe rap is is really trash and it's like music music is music before the pandemic was kind of in a weird kind of state, mm-hmm. but it's still it still felt kind of functional because you can still go to shows like you could have like maybe like a local artist that you kind of discovered mm-hmm. or whatever. but now it's like even for rap music like, even if you look at kind of like the the most popular rappers like like you know you have Drake and you have know, Drake and Kanye who dropped this year. But I would say those albums I think Kellen I think you really were high on Donda I think um but for me like I, I never I, I don't listen to, I don't listen to Kanye anymore so I don't listen I not listen to Donda. Um Drake's album Sort of lover boy like that like that album was like the first six songs, you could leave off that album, and you would, <laughs> wouldn't even think about them anymore. So and so like so that's like a fourth. That's like like a, a large portion of the album that you don't even need. So, you know, his album was it was underwhelming, but it was just it was kind of boring to be very honest. Um, mm-hmm.
2: Did you watch the the concert in LA, Marcus?
1: Um, that was a FOMO situation to where everyone was tweeting about it. I wasn't gonna watch it, everyone was tweeting about it. I watched it, and it, and so I missed the best part of it. The best part of it was Kanye playing this old shit when i got on it was drake playing all his new shit <laughs> and it was like it's not good so, <laughs> so it's like so it's like i i got fomo i caved into the fomo yeah. and then i did not get rewarded uh, when i caved in i so, did not cave so no? well cuz people love like so kanye was doing like stuff from graduation and yes. dropout and yes. beautiful of fantasy so even in me not listening to Kanye anymore, I still would have found, maybe I would have found some pleasure in that, but mm-hmm. Drake was doing his new shit, and I was like, even even the idea of Kanye playing the classics and Drake playing the new, why aren't you two on the same page to play the classics? Like, that would have been a way better experience, but he's doing, Drake was doing certified lover boy songs, and it's like, this, this shit is mid, so I really, if I had not given to the FOMO, I would have felt much better about myself. <laughs> so.
0: That's
2: because people, yeah, people think Kanye pulled one over on Drake and said, okay, we're going to do the new shit, and then it was like, nah, I'm going out here and throwing the bangers down. <laughs> and then everybody exactly. lost their mind. <laughs> like,
1: for real. So, wow. like, he, like the whole thing was kind of a pump fake. So Prince mm-hmm. so um, is a bully. <laughs> <laughs> you don't care about Larry Hoover. I mean that's that's a whole other that's a they don't care. I like didn't say nothing about Larry was Wearing the like,
2: clothes, but like I had to go to Google, like again, you know, ignorant white person, like, oh tell me about Larry Hoover. I had to look it up because I thought they were gonna tell me during the concert, you know? <laughs> no. <laughs> Absolutely not. <laughs> Aside from the hashtag, I, mean, like, no. I didn't learn nothing. I had to go learn it myself.
1: Of all of all the people to be freed of Political prisoners who have gotten, you know, exiled from America. Um, Larry Hoover, he's on the, he's on the very bottom power rankings of, of people that need to be free from jail. Yep, that's
2: how <laughs> like, I feel too. That's
1: like, I mean, I mean, after I looked him up. That's
2: kind of the vibe I got. Yeah. <laughs> yeah,
1: and the funny free like, to them is it, Because the funny thing is, uh, and that actually, that was was one of the funniest parts of it. So everyone's wearing free Larry Hoover shirts or whatever, $400 free Larry Hoover shirts. Drake comes on with a free man and them shirt. And it's like, (laughs) like, you know, like, well, one, I am happy that Drake did not say free Larry Hoover, but then it's like. You're really not on the program, are you? And then Drake actually performed his his, and I think he did this on purpose. He didn't wear the free layer Hoover shit, and he actually performed one of his his, his sneak disses on Kanye. He
2: mm-hmm.
1: performed one of the songs at the show, and so it's like, do you really fuck with this guy now or not? And the answer is no. There's no way they actually really fuck with each other, but. No. It's absolutely nice. You know, that was just must
0: fuck. be the money.
1: I don't think Drake even got paid for it. That's a, well, they sold the merch. I don't Amazon know if they Amazon actually won. sold tickets for it. Maybe they did sell tickets for it, Maybe not. There's money in there
2: somewhere. Um, Amazon
1: but, or something. Oh, yeah. It's it streamed free on Amazon and Twitch. So, yeah. so yeah, I mean, Drake probably got probably got like two mail for it, probably. Which, no I mean, big deal. <laughs> two mil, two mil. I mean, that's. I mean, I wish I got to a point where two million was not a big deal to me, but um, I'll <laughs> speaking from right. speaking from two kind of rappers who need to kind of shut the fuck up for a couple of years uh, to my list of rappers who should not shut the fuck up for any number of years. <laughs> um, what a pivot. <laughs> so, so, for me. I think, like I said, this year music was kind of weird. I didn't really, you know, even the idea of experiencing music with other folks, like in concerts or car rides or just clubs or bars or whatever, I didn't have that very often this year. Um, But for me, a couple of projects I want to shout out, I think the best rap album, well, one of the best rap albums this year, Tyler Creators, uh, Call Me If You Get Lost. Um, He did that. He collabed with DJ drama well he made the album and he gave it to DJ drama to do like the mixtape ad libs on mm-hmm. uh, that was a that was a that was a um that was a a uh what do we call ll coo j uh it was a sneak um when you try to when you try to steal someone's girl um it's basically oh. like that kind of mixtape um i forget i forget what we call it but but basically the whole mixtape is about Him being in love with this other person, but that person is with another guy, and so he's basically spending a whole album trying to get that person to come get with him. So, uh, so yeah, so he was he was definitely trying to pull a robbery on that. So I fuck with that heavy. Uh, So some other some other rappers I kind of want to shout out. Shout out Westside Gun. His out his album. his album names are too fucking crazy for me to even say out loud on airways, but uh, <laughs> uh, he he dropped some good projects this year uh, with questionable names of them. Um, his other rapper, uh, this Haitian kid from New York, Makami, he dropped this album called Pray for Haiti, which is an underground album, but it was really, really dope, really lyrical, really good. Uh, Bodie James... Uh, he dropped an album with Alchemist called Bo Jackson. That album was fucking fire. Well, no, he actually had two albums with Alchemist in one year. So his first album with Alchemist was called Bo Jackson, and that came out about uh, three months ago. Mm -hmm. And his new album with Alchemist, that dropped last week, called uh, Techmobile. So that dropped. Yeah, that's when I Uh, saw. So yeah, so Bodie Jane. The funny thing is Bodie Jane's actually been around since like like the Asher Roth days of like the Chip the Ripper days. Like right. but, right. but he's really kind of getting his shit now to where he's like getting like the recognition. So I mean I like, the grind is long, but fuck it, you getting the recognition now. And the last rapper I wanna shout out, uh, this rapper from Louisville, uh ESTG. Um he's dropped like he's dropped like underground kind of shit but it's more along on the lines of the flashy kind of you know dope dealer rap uh super ratchet but i'm here for it still mm-hmm. <laughs> so uh his album this year uh uh it's called bigger than life or death and i really listen to the album too too much uh that's like a car album like you put it on the car you let the bass go and that's basically it so uh, it's, it's kind of cotton candy. It's fun. So you, <laughs> you, don't feel like real fulfillment. It's just a fun ass ride. And so, um, those are the shits that I really fuck with this year. What
0: was, what was the name of that last artist again? Uh,
1: ESTG. G.
0: Okay. I got it. Bigger than life, bigger than life for death deluxe. Is that what I want?
1: Um, so he did. Or just bigger the regular Yeah. Well, so he did bigger than life for death mm-hmm. this summer. And then about three weeks ago, he, or maybe two weeks ago, he did *Big Life for Death* 2. but then he combined it in a deluxe version. So, alright, I'm gonna do uh, the If well, it's like if you do deluxe, it's like 18 songs. So, That's I don't hilarious. know who's, I don't know if anyone listened to 18 song projects in 2021. I
0: listened to Donda and CLB. Yes, I can handle it.
1: Right. Well, there you go. All right. <laughs> um. I would say for you, Kellen, yeah. I would actually say you should probably listen to pray for Haiti before you listen to that.
0: I got, I do. I pray for Haiti in my, in my playlist. Cause I, I just checked that that that's in there. So I do, I do have that. I haven't gotten to it yet, but I do have it in here. All right.
1: So, so there you go.
0: Awesome. All right. So my, i the year is Donda. Psych. Um nah.
1: Hilarious.
0: I in, in the moment of listening to donda um I will say um most coherent Kanye album since um Pablo yes. but was it memorable for me no <laughs> I listened to it once and I've listened to the Andre 3000 from the um the uh Deluxe more than any song that's on donda
2: um because it's more like a Kanye produce like to that point like the, the song with the weekend, yeah, me, that's the one I I'm like, okay, don't. I forget the name of Don bag, me that. Like, I'm like, okay, I like this, but it ain't it ain't a Kanye song, you know? Yeah. It's just it's just what it is.
0: It's very compilation, like the whole whole Donda thing, um, the whole original Donda album, um, it it, it was cool, um, but it it didn't move me to be on my album of the year, um, CLB, I enjoyed it more than I did Scorpion when I first listened to Scorpion, um, yeah, but, it's
1: better than Scorpion, I would say,
0: but again. It 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 didn't move the needle um too much for me. I've only listened to it once. I really enjoyed the final track on there only because it gave me vibes of um, Drake's previous songs with just like forty, like um like the calm or um, the one he dropped right before um, he uh, came out with his first album. Um, damn, I can see the album cover, but it's not coming to me. I can hear the beat, but it's not. Coming, but yeah, it's it's those it real introspective. So far gone. Drink. No, well, no, the one that came out after "So Far Gone." Um, All right, I'm just going to find it now. We're going to do podcast one on one. Nah, no, no, let's keep going.
1: Let's no keep I going. Gotta know. No, I got to know. So while Kellen's looking at up, the song he's talking about is called "The Remorse." of Of yes. all the songs on C- on Certified Lover Boy, there's legit only like five good songs on here. The Remorse, <laughs> Seventeen, The Br- Bridal Path, uh, Yiba's Heartbreak, which is which is just a Yeba's Song, which it's is actually the fear. best song on there. Fear. And yeah, I knew you were talking about fear. I knew you were talking about fear. Um, yeah. and like maybe two more songs on Certified Love or Boy Worth the Damn. So
0: yeah. Yeah, I mean, glad they were they they made albums, I guess. J J Prince is a bully. So I got two honorable mentions and then i i got my main event album of the year. So um I discovered D Smoke this year. And his album from last year, 2020, Black Habits, was very good. Um, Did not expect that amount of lyricism and that amount of um, type of beats on that entire project. I love that album, start to finish. Uh, Ran it right back after listening to it and have visited um, different tracks from it on different occasions. So I really like Black Habits. I know he just put out a new project, but I've not listened to it yet. Um, An Evening with Silk Sonic. Uh, very short, very fulfilling for me. Um, smoking Out the Window is is a jam for me. Um, the original song they came out with um, was also a really big big hit for me, and obviously it did well on radio. Their chemistry and the time that they took from announcing this album at the beginning of this year, I believe, and then making everybody really wait it out all year yeah. for the album, and then for it to be such a concise, tight, project i i was really happy with that as a bruno fan and as an anderson pack fan so kudos to them my album of the year though Ooh. goes to the rapper who i can't stop talking about on my on this very podcast because i think i've talked about him two or three times in the last few episodes it would be nice with king's disease mm. too and um i like King's disease one a lot i was really impressed with the chemistry you have with hit boy king's disease two floored me and the album is flawless. He got Lauryn Hill to rap again for the first time in years. Uh, Death Row East is a highlight, <laughs> talking about how he met with Pac and all of them in New York, and Pac thought he had the upper hand, but apparently he had Jungle and and his whole crew from Queensbridge ready to get Pac and Snoop and Death Row and all of them, which was just crazy. Um, the Pressure is a great song. Rare. Uh, the I just said this. The I just said this on Saturday. Or, yeah, Saturday, sun, Sunday, Friday. It was on Christmas Eve when I recorded last episode that the growth that Nas has shown over the past few years, especially since getting with Hit Boy and building their chemistry and showing that even at his age, after years and years of being dogged for not having good beats and not being able to make relevant music anymore, that he's able to still put out his type of music in this environment and it be as good if not better than some of the music that's being dropped on a mainstream level that's moving all the units and the kids love and everything like that. And showing that even at this advanced age and almost being in the game 30 years, he's still one of the best lyricists of all time. It's amazing. And my man just dropped another album (laughs) on Friday uh, called Magic, which is not as good as King's Disease 2 for me. Um, it's as good as king's disease one though so definitely check that out and that's my album of the year king's disease 2 i, I can't get enough of it i'm I'm just so happy to see Nas shine in 2021 that is not mm-hmm. something that was marked on my bingo card at all <laughs>
2: <laughs> shout out silk sonic uh i'd like uh skate uh leave mm-hmm. the door open both of leave us yeah I, I was a big fan of he did a i'm a big lacoste guy follow their stuff on socials and all that and so they were doing like the ricky royal and the you know yeah. the ricky ricky regal and the lead up to that type of stuff they did a nice job with the slow roll i was like okay and then the music was like i was like okay like just got it's this super 70s vibe to it like and you're kind of i'm I'm kind of craving retro stuff is based on our aforementioned conversation about how bad shit is so uh, it kind of gives you that uh, those kind of vibes in a modern way so i i, I like that album too yeah
0: very good stuff. So I believe I don't have anything else for this episode. So George or Marcus, do you have any final thoughts you would want to leave the people with before we cap off
2: this year?
1: Uh, listen to the next episode.
2: always <laughs> always be listening. find happiness.
1: Yes, like literally, just listen to the next episode. keep listening. <laughs> Fun Keep listening
0: joy. to the sports episode. This,
1: this is is a hyphen podcast production.
0: Are you not entertained?